From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio, the dedicated local cricket show where we ran up all of the action from around the county in Cambridgeshire. On today's show, Callum Guest is back and we're also in the company of the Camden Hunts Premier League champions, Jack Haycock and Nick Kumpakal from St Ives and Warboys. They join us following their four-wicket victory over Histon in the playoff final on Saturday. We'll also round up the Camden Hunts Division 2 playoff final between Southfield Park and Old Lesians, the East Anglian Premier League as they head into their penultimate weekend of the season and Jack and Nick will also be working as a team to take on Callum in this week's Beat the Guest quiz. We'll also be reviewing England's summer of cricket as the West Indies, Pakistan and the Australians came over to take on the three Lions. They play test matches, ODIs and T20s, so lots to discuss, lots to talk about moving forward as well. We'll also round up the county scene and also get Nick's big question too. If you want to contribute to the show, you can do at FTP Cricket 105 on both Twitter and Facebook. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Ollie Slack. Delighted to welcome back onto the show, given he missed a week last week, Callum Guest, my co-host. Great to have you alongside me, Callum. No problem. And also it's a real pleasure to welcome back onto the show St Ives and Warboys skipper Jack Haycock and a man who starred in the final on the weekend, Nick Kumpakow. Jack, Nick, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Ollie. Yeah, we'll come to you two guys in just a little bit. But Callum, Ed kept the, the hot seat warm for you, although he didn't perform too well in the quiz. But nice to be back. Yeah, great to be back. Yeah, he's kept my losing streak going, so <laughs> I'm trying to put an end to that somewhere. I'm against the, I'm against the informed boys, so I'm not sure if I got it in there. Yeah, a team of two this week as well. Uh, Jack and Nick will be working together to try and beat the guests later on. But let's talk about the main event then. And it was Histon against St Ives Town and Warboys in the Camden Hunts Premier League playoff final on Saturday. Histon finished the league standings top. St Ives Town and Warboys fourth, but they both met in the final and it was St Ives Town and Warboys who came out victorious, winning by four wickets. Boys, we'll come on to the details in just a little bit of the scorecard. But firstly, Jack as skipper. Go tell me, how did that feel on the weekend, winning the Campton Hunts Premier League playoff final? Yeah, just uh, it's just all the cliches you can imagine. It was a complete performance. Bowlers did their job. You know, we caught everything. And um, it was, a, I think we're 40 odd for free. It was in the balance, but we just kept our composure, kept wickets in hand. And um, yeah, sort of home quite comfortably in the end. Couldn't be happier. Yeah, it was a. I guess I imagine as captain, there's always a few nervy moments, but generally pretty comfortable in the end. Um, Houston batted first and got 158 for eight off their 40 overs. Ed High did top score with 44. However, St Ives and Warbles struck back with 161 for six off 32.1. Also worth pointing out, uh, Matthew Wells and Matthew Muller both took three fours in the Houston uh, innings. But the two many top scored joining us uh, today, Jack Haycock 54. And uh, Nick was 61 off 39 at strike rate of 156 as well. So two very, very important knocks in that innings. Um, Nick, how did it feel for you? I imagine you were absolutely delighted and great to be there at the end as well and see the see the match home. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think obviously I went in with um, 40 off for free and um, the pressure was all on us. So hitting that 26 run in that second over uh, kind of eased the pressure for both myself and obviously Jack, and obviously it felt really good, you know, um, just getting off the mark straight away. So um, yeah, very much delighted with my performance. Yeah. And obviously he's just sent eyes in totally. Did he just it's say twenty six? Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. dropping it and yeah. he blocked That's the first ball. Then <laughs> twenty six in your in the in the second over. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I mean, the ball was there to be hit, and lucky for me, I did the job. Fair. I think he went 6-4 then I said Nick 10 off the over that's a good one for us let's just keep it calm but I'll just waste a breath <laughs> Blimey well what it does mean is that your remaining 35 must have been incredibly slow <laughs> but, Not yeah. wrong there Ollie. Not wrong there <laughs> A fantastic knock nonetheless Callum I, I guess it was um, I guess it was always a tight match to call given as we've said for weeks and weeks anyone can beat anyone but I don't think these two will mind me saying if we had to pick a winner out of Histon and St Ives and Warboys, we'd probably go with Histon because they led the league for the, the whole season. So it just makes the win even more special for them. 
There is that. I said a couple of weeks ago when the boys went on the show that they were on kind of an upwards trajectory towards the end of the season where they just kind of found their feet in the division and obviously were getting the results that were, I think Jack said previously, they were slightly unlucky in a couple of games and they'd done a couple of things wrong. Um, we just seen that upwards trajectory. As we've said, anyone can beat anyone in that in, in the division. So it's uh, it makes for an interesting thing when it comes to them playoff games. I haven't missed those cliches, although now the football season is back, you get them pretty much every five minutes, so it's uh, <laughs> nothing unfamiliar. Jack, I, I listened back to our interview earlier on in the season, and um, I didn't you were chatting about sort of when lockdown was, was happening and, and we weren't really thinking about getting much cricket. You'd pretty much written off the season, and you sort of paid tribute to the committee and the people behind the scenes for, for really plugging away, I guess, and keep trying to get the, the, the season going. How much credit now do you, do you give to those guys who sort of worked tirelessly in that lockdown period? I think Saturday just summed it up perfectly with the amount of support we had. I mean, I think we, Nick will probably say the same, we were a bit blown away by how many numbers came to watch. It was probably the most I'd ever played a match in front of. I, I wouldn't be able to put a number on it, but, you know, there must have been well over 60, 70 people there. Um, and obviously there was no other games going on throughout the club. It was yeah, amazing to see them all supporting there. Nick, could you have possibly imagined when you were sort of sat in lockdown, imagine like everyone was at times twiddling their thumbs, not thinking we'd get much cricket, and then fast forward to that moment on the weekend when you got the cup in your hands? Um, definitely. I mean, from the start of the season to where we, where, where we were now, it's just unbelievable what the um, actually the community and obviously the league, league themselves conjured up to, to, to have this have cricket on for, for the, you know, for the local club. So it was quite, it was quite emotional and quite um, uh, enlightening that, you know, the, the competition went through and it was so good, like Jack said earlier, to see people from, you know, different, different clubs and coming, coming to support the actual um, final of, uh, of the tournament. Yeah. Emotional because none of us were really, I guess, expecting cricket and, and I guess, in essence, it's some sort of slice of normality amongst all this craziness when you're there on the weekend with your teammates. Most definitely, most definitely, that's right. Callum, what we said, it's a, I guess, a magnificent achievement, and um, and really made possible by the fact that there was a playoff system in place. It's something we'll talk about a bit later on, but it just goes to show that, like I said, that, that anyone could be anyone. But really, it keeps the season alive for those that potentially you know some weeks something's had a, a week off and then drop down to second or third or in St Ives and Warboys case fourth but it keeps that season alive until right to the end yeah for sure it, prolong, it also prolongs the season obviously it would have been a shame to you know finish you know because we were so good this week and imagine if they had no cricket on because there was no playoff system it would have been a real shame you get so you know you wait it's a long it's a long winter I always say every winter it's a long winter till the cricket season comes around so it's it, it does feel sometimes a bit of a shame not to utilise, you know, the middle to end the September weeks where the weather seems to be pretty always set pretty fair. Um, so yeah, no, obviously, like I said, it prolongs the season, which is great for these guys as well. Jack, you also mentioned on the show earlier on this year that the step up was noticeable, although you've sort of proved your own your own quote wrong by going on and and winning the title. Obviously, going up from Whitens two last year. Oh no, I mean, obviously we've surprised ourselves, but. Um... <laughs> I think we've just, just every time we were in a bit of trouble, someone stepped up. It was just a perfect season, really. Where, um, yeah, whenever we found ourselves in trouble, like last week we were struggling against Foxen and Amit came out of nowhere and smacked 66 and just completely turned it. We've got, we've got match winners throughout the team, um, and just a young team as well. So every year they'll be getting better and better, which is what you want, really. I think you mentioned you lost by six runs against Fox in your first game and you said you were analysing it, you were stewing it over in your mind and thinking about, I guess, how you could have uh, have saved those six runs and possibly won the game. How, perhaps, do you think you've evolved as captain this season or is there anything you've learnt about being a captain throughout this campaign? Yes, yeah, so much. Probably the biggest learning curve I've ever had. Um, yeah, I talked about that Fox game. We lost by six runs and... We had a good debrief after the game and worked out things. And then we spoke, spoke for the next week and we just carried on with our chats, you know, two or three minutes before and after a game, just remembering the basics. And then um, we lost that Fox game because we lost four wickets in the first 10 overs. And we only did that once throughout the season from that point. And that was the game we lost to Ian Soken. So just like really nailing in those basics, you know, not losing wickets in clusters, um, that sort of thing. Obviously, the Wizbeach, we were, they were 100 about loss. 
and we pulled them back to 170. So it's always keeping it in the guys' minds that we can we can pull it back and turn it around. Yeah, well, there are a few um, nervy moments perhaps on the weekend. 16 for one, 48 for two, 54 for three, 112 for four, 123 for five. Are you still getting a little bit nervy then? Um, I think when Ed and Brownie were in for Histon, they got off to quite a a good start. We we bowled well, but the boundaries were just it was a quick outfield. The boundaries are flying. Brownie hits the ball so hard. I think he got to twenty odd really quickly, and they'll probably go in at six or seven and over. And then um, young Matt Wells came on and took three wickets in his first two overs. And then from that point on, the spinners came on and we just managed to squeeze them all the way through and keep picking, keep picking up wickets. So, yeah, to get Brownie when we did was, was huge. And I imagine being there for the majority of the run chase as skipper probably eased the nerves a little bit because you were you were sort of in control of it, I guess. Yeah, and I'm a terrible watcher. As soon as I was out, I was I just <laughs> didn't know what to do with myself. I thought we might have let them back in, but we were all right in the end. But... um. Yeah, when when you know it's your last game of the season, you've got a good crowd in attendance, and you can see the runs going down on the board. Then you do have that extra sort of fight to make sure you're there. And Nick, we we spoke to Jack earlier on the season really about the the merger, and it was one of the the questions we discussed, I think, uh, in the weeks before as well, around about teams merging and and the pros and cons of it. I guess you've been a great advert for that uh, this season in what the the second year that both St Ives and then Warboys have merged together. But you you all seem a really really close and tight knit group. Yeah, definitely. I think the merger was a good thing for us because obviously it kind of brought in extra players, you know, for to um, um, to introduce to the first team as well as the second and third. So we we put out, well, especially on the Saturday, I think we we put out three three or four teams on Sunday the same. So for me, overall, the merger itself has been a positive for both Senators and Warboys. Yeah, and Callum, you came into Sourcing of Abraham, obviously, when they've merged. Um, so I guess you saw how the different groups of players, both from Babram and Sourcing, came together for you. What, what's the sort of the process like? Does it take time for the guys to mingle together, I guess, settle in as, as one club, or is it fairly seamless? Uh, it's, fa- it's fairly seamless. Um, it just adds that extra competition for places, you know, especially, and gives you more teams on a Saturday, which is, which is fantastic for the club. And also coming back to a full house when you just won a game as well is... Mm-hmm. Obviously, when it's normal circumstances are resumed, that would be a fantastic feeling as well. Um, you know, four or five teams back at the, back at the home, it's always good to celebrate with them guys as well. Yeah, I can certainly imagine it. Imagine it was. Let's just quickly round up the Division Two playoff final uh, between Southfield Park and Old Lesians, hosted at Southfield Park, and Old Lesians won that by six wickets. So uh, chasing was the name of the game on the weekend. Southfield Park batted first, one hundred and twenty-four all out of 35.1, a 69 from Shailen, Tomlinson, Patel. So pretty much, well, way over 50% of, of their runs coming from him. Uh, Old Leesians batted, uh, obviously, in the second innings and got 128 for four of 31.4, so chased it down with uh, relative ease. Uh, Titus Waldock picked up four for 23 in Southfield Parts innings and uh, for Old Leesians with the bats. Milan Minsoko uh, got 31, not out of 38. So congrats to Old Leesians picking up the Division 2 player final there. And interestingly, Old Leesians um, were, were Whiting's and Partners 3 last year, and uh, Southfield Park actually got relegated from Whiting's and Partners 3 last year. So, um, so it just shows, again, I guess, the, perhaps the strength of those divisions and how, how tight it is and how competitive it is. Uh, we'll hopefully get the reaction from the Old Leesians camp next week. Let's move on to the East Anglian Premier League. And before we actually round up the action from the weekend. Jack, we asked you a few weeks ago whether the East Anglian Premier League was on your mind. I imagine now you've added the Wise Partners Division 1 trophy to your cabinet. It's probably even more on your mind, isn't it? Yeah, I, I played it down a bit when you asked me before because <laughs> we'd only won one game. But yeah, it was always in the background, back of my mind because I know how, how good we, we are and how good we can be in two or three years. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the Hunts Post actually asked me uh, on Monday, what are your ambitions for next year? And You've won the league the year before. You can't say just as finishing the table, can you? So yeah, the the aim is to uh to win again and and get into those East Anglian Premier League. So do you think there'll be more expectation on yourselves next year because of how well you've done this year? Yeah, but I think I think we'll like it. I think we'll like having that that tag on us and you know the, the confidence it'll bring. You know, having that looks like bit of you know arrogance. Maybe, maybe not the right word, but you know we we, we deserve to win it. We faced Liston twice and beat them twice, so. Um, even though we didn't finish top of the league, I think we were worthy winners. Yeah, Nick, do you feel it will feel an even longer winter now because you'll be so desperate to have another crack at, I guess, a proper season? I don't want to disregard this season, but you know what I mean, having a chance of having a go at the Whiteson Partners Division 1 next year. 
Um, most definitely, especially winning the final. You just you just want to itch to you know you just want to play and play and play, not knowing that there's no more cricket until next season. You just I don't know, just, just feel disheartened by it. But yeah, definitely ready for next season. Crack on, um, and crack on, and let's, let's win that win, let's win that league again. And just quickly, lastly, Jack, from you on, on of course, the St Ives and Warboard side, do you look to reinforce? Will you go out and, and try and strengthen? Of course, you'll get your, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, you'll get your overseas, uh, maybe coming over as well. So that would strength there. But is it a case of trying to reinforce or just going with the, the strong group you've got at the minute? Absolutely more than happy with what I've got, but you're always keeping an eye open for that, to find that. You, know, you, want, the, you want the right player and the right age to improve what you've got, but it also needs to be someone who will get on with the group and fit in and you know, is on time and fits into all the things that we're doing. Because I think, I know cricket's made a game made up of individuals, but our team spirit, I've never known anything like it. It's quite quite good to be around. So, um, yeah, keep an eye open. Uh, hopefully, overseas will be allowed to come. Um, but, yeah, you know, we, we're aware the league will be a lot tougher next year. I think clubs will probably be strengthened by a couple of players that didn't play this year. And um, obviously some clubs will have an overseas or two as well. So, we're well aware it'll be a big challenge again. Well, all the best for next year. Of course, we'll speak to you before then anyway, but congratulations on a fantastic season, a fantastic victory on the weekend as well. Um, Callum, let's chat East Anglian Premier League then. And uh, with regards to the North group on the weekend, their wins for uh, Great Witchingham, Swarson and Mildenhall in the South group for Sawson of Abraham, Bury St Edmunds and Sudbury. Now, the permutations for this weekend were just one game to go in the league season. Swarson travel to Mildenhall. If Swarson win, they'll make the final. That'll be easy done and dusted. If Mildenhall win, they'll make the final unless Swarson managed to get five bonus points to win outright on points. Similarly, in the South group, Sudbury host Sawson and Babraham. Sawson and Babraham win. Again, very easy. They go through to the final. If Sudbury win, they make the final unless Sawson and Babraham secure seven bonus points to win on points. So slightly more difficult for Sawson and Babraham if they lose. Callum, how are you feeling ahead of the weekend? I imagine pretty pretty nervous. Um, it's effectively, of course, a semi-final, isn't it? And uh, the winners of which will head through to the, the final. Yeah, I think out of the two groups, obviously Swordston looked pretty set to to make the final. I think Mildenhall, having played against them a couple of times earlier on in the season, they're a bit disgruntled with a couple of the Rainos and the Duckworth Lewis methods, but it is what it is. And then obviously we've got a tough victory away at Sudbury, but as we've said all year along, that's why we that's why we got up into the competition. And that's what they're, they're the kind of games we look forward to. So um, we obviously had a real tough test on Saturday as well, which we overcome. So. No, I think the boys are all looking forward to it. Yeah, did that win over Frinton, that fantastic win over Frinton, a Frinton side that had Nick Brown and Adam Weed to two Essex players. I know, of course, you were top of the league anyway, but does a win like that give you even more confidence? Definitely. Um, what I would say is that I think as a squad and as a team, I think a win like that kind of puts anything to bed that, you know, there's a few rumours around early on in the season that we might have had a bit of a lucky draw with a few teams being short of players, whereas getting a victory against, you know, the defending champions when they are at full strength, it kind of puts to bed any of them kind of the speculation, or should we say, of the rumours. Yeah. Mm. The saltiness, should we say, of certain people. A bit of saltiness. <laughs> <a little bit>. <laughs> <laughs> However, you did play Sudbury in the Suffolk T20 Cup, something like that, I think, on, uh, on Sunday. And unfortunately for you, Sudbury came over the win. We and yourself talk a lot about sort of leaving scars and one another, that sort of thing, uh, from a loss. Will that have an effect on this weekend's match? Uh, I think we had, uh, we got quite, we got quite a few changes from the team, obviously from Saturday side that just played. And then the Sunday, obviously there was a few of us playing for Cambridgeshire and then a couple of others not available to play at all. So I think we've got about five or six changes from that team that played on Sunday. A lot of second team has played and they only lost by one run against the Sudbury side that have pretty much got to make one, one or two changes. So, it, it, I think two different 11s that are going to play Saturday and it's whoever performs on the day really so no, looking forward to it well all the best hopefully uh, you can pick up the win if you do it's very simple you're through to the final and we'll face either Swarson or Mildenau in your first year in the East Anglian Premier League up next after the break we'll be hearing from the rest of our EAPL sides including Saffron Malden and Cambridge Cricket Club ahead of their last games of the league season and Jack and Nick will also be getting ready to take on Callum in this week's Beat the Guest quiz Cambridge 105 Radio From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio 
Yep, you're listening to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, let's continue the local chat quickly and round up our local sides in the East Anglian Premier League and start with Saffron Walden this week, as uh, unfortunately they lost again on the weekend. They were thrashed by Barry St Edmunds, losing by nine wickets after being bowled out for just 118 in 27.3 overs. Barry chased it down in the 26th over, condemning Walden to their fourth straight defeat now. So as we enter the final weekend of the league campaign of the South Group, Ben Harris's side will be looking to avoid taking home the wooden spoon with a trip to Copdock and Old Ipswichian, and I caught up with him to discuss his overall reflections on the 2020 season. I've enjoyed it. I think we've done well to get as much cricket in as we have. Playing the teams twice home in a way, other than for Cambridge, obviously you don't have a ground. You know, I imagine for them it's been quite tough, but I think for, for a lot of the guys, just for our younger guys, they haven't had to travel to Norfolk all the time, but they've had a good little taster kind of locally. As I said before, I think every time we go and play someone, we're probably the youngest team. I'm captain at 26, probably one of the youngest captains in the league, if not the, and I'm probably the oldest guy on the pitch most of the time. That tells the story and, you know, you look at look at teams like Sudbury, uh, Swordston, obviously, you know, they've been doing it for years. You know, we're five, six, seven, maybe even eight years behind them, if not more. The younger guys have had a go this season. So, you know, if we do for any reason have a few injuries next season, you know, I know that they've been there and done it, kind of experienced it now and they know what it's about rather than saying, oh, can you come to, to Sudbury? They're like, where's Sudbury? What's Sudbury? Do you know what I mean? A few of them have been there now, experienced Premier League cricket. So I think it's going to be good for our depth and hopefully that will rub off onto second team cricket as well next season when a few of those guys that have been playing this year uh, in the twos and, you know, really looking to push to play ones cricket, but also might have learned a bit from being around um, the first 11 and playing against other good players. I think I think that's probably the main positive. Um, and the other positive is just being able to play cricket. looks like we might be heading into a difficult winter. So I think we've had a good 10, 12 weeks and um, we should all be thankful for that. Yeah, here, here, Mr. Harris, spot on there. Grateful very much to get some cricket this season. Let's move on to Cambridge. And on the weekend, it was a valiant effort against Swarston. Swarston batted first and got 223 for six of their 50 overs. Cambridge fell 49 runs short, all out for 174 of 45.4. So a good effort, but unfortunately couldn't quite get the win. This weekend, it's the Derby Day, the last game of the season, and they take on Burwell and Exting. Lewis Hill, when I spoke to him earlier on this afternoon, admitted that he'll be making some changes for the match. However, here he is giving his reaction first to that defeat to Swarston on the Saturday just gone. To keep them to 220 on, on their ground, which is you know quite a small ground, was a fantastic effort. But yeah, yeah, with the batting to finish 49 runs short, it was disappointing. We were looking through the, the, the stats and the facts of the game and... We faced about 180 dot balls, you know, out of our 175 runs scored. So, just to 50 of them being singles and dropping to run and looking to be a bit more proactive, then we probably would have got a lot closer. And if not, come out on the on the winning side. But to go to Swordston and play against them twice in a year and and come away with a 50% record, one win, one loss, it's it's a great it's a great achievement for the season there as it is. We're always desperate to win, regardless of who we're playing. But like you say, there's a little bit more in it when you're playing a. Uh, a local team and you've had a bit of um, back and forth of them for a number of years now. It's always a little bit more in those games, in those fixtures. We will probably look to, you know, maybe give some people a chance to play a slightly different role than they've been doing for the season to see if that's something that suits them or, you know, maybe give some people a bowl and some people a bat to try and see if we can look at different areas of the lineup or, you know, see if we can identify someone who's maybe got a strength in an area we haven't been utilising. So we'll, we'll probably look to to switch up the batting order and, and, and those types of things so we can, you know, start to prepare for next year and things um, as well. So we will obviously want to win, so we will be competitive and, and have that mentality. But yeah, we'll probably go about things slightly different. Yep, so for Cambridge, the last game of the season for them is the local derby away to Bell and Exning. For Bell and Exning, well, it was another loss on the weekend. They still are yet to win a game this season in the East Anglian Premier League North group. They lost by 255 runs against Grey Witchcombe. Grey Witchcombe got 391 for five in their 50 overs. Wow. Burnley Exting barred up for 136 in 32.5. 
Bro Next, I'm going to say this weekend they do take on Cambridge. They were looking to finish this season by achieving their first win of the campaign. The Source and the Bayburn, well, as I said, that is the, the big game this weekend. They take on Sudbury in what is effectively the Southport semi final, the winner of which will probably then take on Mildenhall or Swarson in the Norfolk. Of course, we'll run up all of that once again next week. Let's move on to the quiz now. And Callum was away last week. Uh, Ed Hyde took his place, who, to be fair, I did get some great quizzing pedigree in Callum. He was the New Year's day quiz champion but unfortunately he extended your losing streak to two so well <laughs> what can you do he didn't have a good week old ed did he bless him um anyway uh, he won the vast he won the vast that's true he? it started off really well and then got, perfectly. i mean it's only gonna go downhill from that so got progressively worse he should have just not turned up he should have just not turned up to anything after that yeah yeah, although I'd argue the quiz defeat was probably more damaging than the uh, the loss on the weekend. Yeah, that, that surely was the one that meant the most. Anyway, this week's Beat the Guest is between Jack and Nick. They're working as a team to take on Callum. Uh, Jack, a bit of revenge for you because I think, well, Callum was undefeated when you came on. I believe Callum beat you, didn't he? I can't remember. I blanked it out. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week, I will ask both of you six multiple choice questions. For each question, one answer will be right. One answer will be wrong and the other a no ball. A no ball is meaning there's no way the answer can possibly be right. Uh, it doesn't make sense. So give me the correct answer. You get one point. Chuck me a no ball and that's minus one point. You don't lose any points though for just the wrong answer. Are we both ready to go? Both sets of teams ready to go? Yep. Cool. Yeah. So the first question is which English-born seamer bowled more maidens in the second ODI versus Australia, was it Sam Curran, Chris Wokes, or Tom Curran? Who do you reckon? Callum, who have you gone for? Chris Wokes. And Jack and Nick? Uh, we said Tom Curran. So the correct answer is Chris Wokes. A point oh. to Callum. Good start. The... Tom Curran was born in England. The noble was Tom Curran, I'm afraid. Oh, my, I didn't that even course. think that. I knew that, but I didn't even think that. Oh. He tricked me again. Sam Curran, born in Northampton. So he was an English-born seamer. Tom Curran was born in South Africa. So Callum takes a point, and uh, Jack and Nick go to minus one. It's a two-point difference straight away. Moving on to question two. Which player top scored, so over the three matches, scored the most runs in the England vs Australia T20 series? Was it Darren Milan? Aaron Finch or Manus Labashain? Right. Jack and Nick, what have you put? Milan. I've put Aaron Finch. I've got Aaron Finch, Jack and Nick on Dow Milan. Well, you've both avoided the no ball. That was Manus Labashain. Didn't play in the T20s. Uh, however, the correct answer was Dow Milan. 129 runs, Aaron Finch yeah. 125. It's a very tight. Fine. But Jack and Nick are back to, well... Zero. Yeah, they're not <laughs> in the minus anymore. Callum leads 1-0, heading into the third question. Which ex-Birmingham player top-scored for Sussex against Essex on Monday night in the T20 Blast? Was it Luke Wright, Callum McLeod or Aaron Thomason? Which ex-Birmingham player top-scored for Sussex against Essex? on Monday night in the T20 Blast. Callum? Uh, it's Aaron Thomason. Jack and Nick? I thought it was McLeod. I, th I thought Thomason still played for him. He's probably, I play with his brother at Cambridgeshire, so if I got that wrong, I think I'll be shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to be shot, Callum. You are right. Aaron Thomason's the correct answer. Scored 47. Uh, the no ball, of course, is? Luke Wright. That is correct. Yeah, Luke Wright. Has not played for Birmingham. He's only played for Leicestershire, I believe, before Sussex. So Callum takes a 2-0 lead. But positives for you two that uh, you didn't manage to give the noble, so you're not in a three-point deficit. Question four. Which North Group County, who just missed out on a trip to Lords for the Bob Willis Trophy final, sit bottom of their T20 Blast group? Is it Derbyshire, Northamptonshire or Durham? Durham, Durham, Derbyshire, and who? North Ants. Correct. Yeah. I'm going to say Derbyshire. Derbyshire? 
Derbyshire. You both got it right. Derbyshire is the correct answer. The noble was Northamptonshire. So you've managed to avoid that. Callum leaves 3-1, going into the last two questions, but it still could change. Still could change. Question number five. Which Chennai Super Kings player has hit the most sixes in IPL history? Is A, David Warner, B, Suresh Rayner, or C, MS Dhoni? I think Chris Gale's the man who's out, out right at the top. Jack and Nick? Yeah, we think it's Rayner. Callum? Oh, I'm going to say Rayner as well. Well, the correct answer was MS Dhoni, I'm afraid. 209 sixes. What you're doing, me there? I thought you were yeah, laughing. <laughs> Are you both losing a point, though? No, you're not. David Warner is a Sunrisers Hyderabad player. So uh, you managed to keep your points as you are, but no one advances. So, as we head into the last question, Jack and Nick, you need Callum to give the no ball and you need to give the correct answer to level things up. Which of these English women have scored more runs in this season's Rachel Hayho Flint Trophy so far? Out of these three. Is it A, Evelyn Jones? Is it B, Heather Knight? Or is it C, Sarah Bryce? Mm. I'm going to say Evelyn Jones. Evelyn Jones. Jack and Nick? Yeah, have a night. Want to have a night? Yes. Well, the noble was Sarah Bryce. She is a Scottish international. She has scored 259 runs, though, but it's an answer that can't possibly be right, so that's the noble. The correct answer with 219 runs was Evelyn Jones for Central Sparks. So you have managed to avoid the noble. Jack and Nick by going for Heaven Knight, but Callum takes a 4-1 lead and wraps up a victory here. Well done, Callum. Thank you. <laughs> very, very pleased. Back in the hot seat and back to winning ways. Yeah, I'm back. Easy, really, isn't it? Um, that last one, that last one, was stumbling there. <laughs> Jack, Nick, thoughts? Oh, you ambushed us with a quiz. I not have a chance to do any research. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, it's shared out the winning this week. You won on the weekend, Callum won tonight. Everyone's happy. So coming up after the break, we'll be dissecting England's summer of cricket. If they play a match against West Indies, Pakistan, and of course the Aussies came over as well. We'll also be getting Nick's big question too. Cambridge 105 Radio from the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. So welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Let's just run up the county cricket scene then and start with the T20 Blast as we approach the final matches in the group stages. Now these tables are correct as of last night's fixes. Gloucestershire lead the way on 13 points in the central group. North and still backs, Birmingham Bears were nine. Somerset, Glamorgan and Wooshia Rapids in five. So still pretty tight there. Remember the top two go through. Gloucestershire already through to the quarterfinals. And the two best third place teams amongst all three groups then go through as well. Uh, in the north group, Notts Outlaws lead the way on 12. Lancashire Lightning 10. Leicestershire 7. Yorkshire Vikings 6. Durham 5. And Derbyshire 4. And with regards to the South Group, Surrey 10, Kent also 10, Sussex 9, Middlesex 6, Essex 4 and Hampshire 3. So as it stands, the quarterfinal lineup would look like Gloucestershire, Northamptonshire, Notts, Lancashire, Surrey and Kent. And then the two best third places at the minute are Birmingham Bears of the Central Group and Sussex Sharks of the South Group. Just to remind you also, the Bob Willis Trophy final gets underway next week. That's between Somerset and Essex at Lords. Let's talk England now, and it's been a fantastic summer of international cricket, one that none of us really thought was possible, um, maybe, say, in, in April, May time. But uh, a big thanks to the West Indies, Pakistan and Australia for coming over. Callum, what have you, you made of it? It's been brilliant, hasn't it? I think every game's almost got a twist and a turn somewhere along the line. Um, really good for England to have, a, have to experiment and look at different players in different formats, so... No, the future's looking bright. Nick, what have you made of it? I think, I think it's just been fantastic for uh, for England anyway. Like like Callum said, you know, just testing different players in different formats and um, just 
just I think collectively they've just been great. And obviously cricket being back on television has been great for great for the public to watch. So yeah, yeah, that, that certainly has been been brilliant yeah, to to watch some cricket back on TV. It has I don't think it's been quite the same without without fans, especially the sort of the white ball games, the T Twenty and ODI games. You really like the crowd being there for them. Uh, Jack, what do you think we potentially learn uh, this summer? I saw a, saw an article from someone who's slightly pessimistic about England this summer and said that we've learned that Anderson, Broad and Wokes are the best bowlers in English conditions, which we knew anyway. And we're no further forward to, I guess, preparing for the Ashes in Australia in a year and a half or a couple of years' time. Uh, of course, Mark Wood played one test match. What do you make of that? Would you have liked to have seen, potentially, although it being played, of course, this summer in English conditions, obviously, would you like to have seen maybe pace bowlers being used a bit more or them getting that side ready for the Ashes? Yeah, it is an interesting one. As, as you mentioned, it did seem like they were going to try and keep Broad and Anderson apart when they went Wood and Archer in the first Test match and they quickly went against that, didn't they? Um, I think Broad and Anderson are just so such big legends of the game, you just can't not play them. It'd be a shame to not see them um, play. And as you were saying earlier, there's been so many... It's been better to have a cricket on than not have it, but there's been so many big moments this, this summer that deserved a crowd like Anderson 600 Broad 500 uh, the Wokes and Butler partnership like the crowd would have been so good for those moments but um, I think they've learned probably not too much um, they're building on what Silverwood started with that solid top three I think Zach Crawley's probably come out of it looking better than anyone that double hundred was pretty pretty impressive wasn't it yeah, Caleb Jack makes a great point in terms of some of those younger players who have, have come through. You look at Zach Crawley in the Test Arena, you move to the White Bull side and I guess Tom Banton at the top of the order in the, the T20s and Sam Billings as well. Probably no one expected really him to have a breakthrough year, but those three stick to mind more than most, you'd say. Yeah, I th- I'd probably, I'd actually be, I'd totally disagree with that statement that we haven't learned anything, I think. Um, you have to split up the bowlers. You can't just have a one-dimensional attack of swing and seam bowlers. You know, you probably couldn't just go Curran, Wokes, Anderson, Broad. I think they know they need some pace in there. Um, you've now got an artillery of fast bowlers waiting in the wings. You've got Archer, Stone, uh, Overton, Wood. They're all waiting to play Saqib Mahmood. Um, I think the batting's started to take quite a good shape. Um, you've now got a solid order where you look at that and you go, you know, if Butler gets injured, you've got Ben folks to come in. Obviously, didn't get a go this summer, but you've now got an informed wicketkeeper. You've got a number six that scored. You know, you've now got hundreds all the way through that top seven. Um, we didn't have that at the start of the summer. Um, spin, spin's a massive issue as well. I think, you know, we've come out this summer thinking, well, wait, you know, do we need to look at a spinner? Playing it or bowling? Yeah, is, is Don Best, the, is Don Best the, you know, the right suit? Is he doing, is he doing the role that, you know, he's being picked to do? Or is he actually just being almost picked as a an extra batter on top of, you know, you're already batting on it? I think that's the argument, isn't it? It's What would you rather go for? Because Moeen Ali, was, wasn't he picked for a number of years for his batting credentials as well as his spin? Exactly that. But then you look at that now and that with that top seven taking shape and, like I said, scored a few hundreds now, do you then go away from the whole, you know, pick them because they can bat a bit down at nine and ten and actually go for your actual out-and-out best spinner? I suppose that's the argument, but... I also read a couple of articles and it just, you know, you look at them spinners in the county game without a test cap at the moment, there's not too many that are, hold, you know, putting their hands up or even getting a, you know, a county berth, as it were. Mm. Uh, Nick, for you, what are the, the perhaps the questions then that, that, that Owen Morgan for the T20 side, because that's the immediate future, of course, the World Cup next year, and Joe Root as test captain, when they're looking at their 11 on paper for both of us, what do you think they'll be sort of thinking in their mind the areas that they've still got question marks over? I think when it, I mean, in regards to the test series, I would say spin is, a, is the main thing uh, uh, to, for the test side. Uh, for the T, T20 side, I think we're quite um, strong in, in, in the aspect of from 1 to 11. I feel as though we're kind of covered in terms of, you know, good batting from the top, good strong batting from the top, like Butler and Bairstow. Uh And then we've got, you know, Archer himself, you know, he's, He's a terrifying bowler, especially any with against any opposition. So, I think spin for test for for Root will be the biggest question. And Morgan, I would just say, like like we did for the last couple of games, just testing our different players and how they how they handle each situation. So, yeah, mainly for me will be spin for test uh, for Trey Root. Yeah, because that Morgan brought in a number of players didn't into the T20 side to to showcase. So there's that. 
I guess that that group you can call upon now if if say whoever Ben Stokes goes down a day before the T Twenty World Cup. Jack, what are the, the question marks or the areas you still think that are potentially maybe a bit iffy moving forward, if there are any at all? Um, yeah, in the one day side, you'd probably say it's they've got their spoilt really. It's selecting who the best two is and where to fit Butler in. I know because it's uh, the next one's going to be in India or is it Australia then in India? Yeah, anyway, India the one the in India one, yeah. soon. Yeah, so they, obviously Butler did so well open at the top. I think they're going to stick with him at the top. Um, and then that sort of leaves a space maybe at six, five or six, which could be like a Billings or a Moeen Alley, maybe at seven sort of. That's probably the only spot they're looking for. Um, I, I actually want to ask you a question, Ollie. As a Somerset fan for the test team, would you have had Leach or Bess playing this summer? I think Leach has been pretty, pretty hard done by. I feel for him, yeah. He's just kicked a ball around and carried drinks and mixed drinks for what, three months. Um, I think Don Best deserved to keep his place given the five free got in South Africa and then it was right given he's a young lad as well to keep playing. I mean, the role he was doing was a, a holding role, I guess, and like Callum said, probably picking his batting as well. So I don't think it would have been right to, to drop him. I think maybe the last couple of tests they could have brought Leach in and that wouldn't have done Best any harm. I think if you bring Best in, and then drop him after one or two games because he's not picking up hatfuls of wickets. That would have been harsh because he's a young lad and you stick with him, you give him time. And I think you keep him in the group anyway. You keep him in the group because England should have a squad. Like we said, if they're heading to Australia, India, etc., that they need to have a group of players they can call upon. But I would like to see Leach yeah, involved in the last couple of games. You know, It's weird, he's Somerset's main spinner, yet England go for best. It's, a, it's an odd one, really, but I would like to see Leach involved. It might sound a little bit superficial, but I feel like Best really does fit the mould as like a young, very good, pretty good in the field, very good in the field, yeah. combat, bowls handy offies. Whereas Leach, if you look at Jack Leach, you know. Glasses, <laughs> bald head. Yeah, yeah, glasses. Probably not the best of movers, best of fielders. Not that he does a job with the bat, but it's not going to get you too many runs. Although, albeit the 90 would go against Ireland. But, and, and then the bowling, I just feel like Best is kind of fitting the mould at the moment of the, you know, the young, vibrant test team that England want to create. Mm. Um, you know, with the Popes, the Crawleys, the Sibleys, they kind of want to create that that kind of motion, and I think he's fitting the mould at the moment. But ultimately, I think if we are going to win games down under or abroad, you have to have a good spinner. Uh, to go back to the Australians when you know we were pumping them for them Ashes down under, and you, you look at their weak link, their seam attack wasn't actually that bad, but their weak link was massively the spinner. I think there was one series where they changed the spinner three or four times and, you know, KP and then just got hold of him because they knew they were the guy under pressure. So I feel like we really do have to nail that spot down. Yeah, I do, I do feel for Leach in a sense. I feel like his, the comedy around his batting and all sort of the jokes around that innings he played at Headley, etc. is perhaps taken away from what a good bowler is. And he's the leading wicket taker in Sri Lanka. I know, you guess you say he's expected to because it's obviously it's uh, where spinners prosper but he's still got to do a job I think he was one of the best performing spinners in the in a home ashes series as well in, in, in 2019 last year so I do feel potentially because of his batting it's maybe shone slightly away from, from how good a bowler he is I think Best was a bit unlucky as well this summer I mean I, I like him I think he was underused a lot maybe because of the conditions there was, I think there was some test matches where he didn't bowl and then it rained a lot in the back end of the uh, Pakistan series I think I remember Butler missed a stump in and a few catches off him as well. So, he, you know, he, he, did, he, did the, he did the job. Yeah, I think, I think the role he was asked to do, I think he did a perfectly adequate job, to be honest. Let's move on and return to the local scene. As ever, we ask our guests to think of a big question. Jack already delivered his a few weeks ago, so it's up to Nick now to, uh, to test us with his question and then we'll have a good debate about it. So my question is, how about introducing the playoff system to each league next year so that the team has incentive you know for for the upcoming season or and the following so should a playoff system be introduced into the leagues i guess across Cambridgeshire to keep the the season prolonged and get that incentive there for the other teams potentially not right at the, the top of the league callum let's get your thoughts first of all uh, i wouldn't if if you're going if you're going with the one up one down process, I probably wouldn't have the playoff system. I think if you're going to move to a two up two down system, I probably would have the third, top top team going up, and then your team finishing second, third, fourth, and fifth probably playing the playoff. Um, just feel like you know for a whitening season of twenty games, I feel like if the teams are runaway leaders. Um, mm. I feel like it's a bit harsh to say oh going to a playoff system where it's almost like an FA Cup kind of thing. I mean, they could go 20 games unbeaten and then you lose the first game in the playoff. I know it's a different situation, but um, 
as well as the fact that you then you could potentially have a team that finished fourth in the league season over 20 games going into an EAPL system. And then I think me and Ollie have spoken about it in the lower, lower divisions. It's just player availability, I think, is massive. Um, obviously, the season tends to finish August, end of August, in yeah. the lower divisions in Cambridgeshire. And that's just down to players moving on, playing football. Ground availability so because of football it's as well. Almost, it's being able to fit in a full league season and also the playoffs, I think, in the lower divisions is going to be hard. Nick, what, obviously you asked the question for a reason. Do you, would you like to see introduced across more levels in Cambridgeshire? I think for me, yeah, definitely, because it kind of gives the opportunity for, like you said, the first, second, third and fourth. But I, I definitely agree with what Callum says. You know, if you're runaway um, with the season, like if you say you've got 20 undefeated, and um, maybe just introduce the playoffs just for the second, third, fourth and fifth, because um, I feel as though it's fairer because obviously the first, obviously whoever's finished top, they deserve to be uh, the champions and obviously, you know, um, go to whether be promoted or whether just stay in that same league. But yeah, I feel as though the second, third, fourth, fifth, I feel as though that's a good fit to have that playoff to fight for the third for promotion. It'd be quite good for all as a team to have the incentive to to win the tournament. So therefore you do go up. Um, as, a, as, a, as a newly promoted team to the, to, to, the, to the next league. Jack, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, just to counter sort of what Callum said a little bit, um, I mean, how, it happens, but how often do you get a, a runaway leader? Mm. Um, I mean, to, to, just to, as a point, we, Sinai's and Warboys, we were actually runners-up last year, um, and that was mainly because we had two more games rained off. And then we had to play Stafford Warden 2s when their rain, ones were rained off and they dropped five players down. So that was like three games we sort of lost on our uh, rivals at Stanford that year. Um, but obviously, if the playoff came around, we would have backed ourselves to beat them. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm obviously biased because we've just come through the playoffs, but it does get crowds in. It does give people, I know you say about availability, but for a playoff, a one-off game, I think you would still get the availability. Like, I know a few of us have been missing football to play in it. Um, but yeah, there's definitely positives and negatives to it. You know, it'll be interesting to see what they, they want to do next year. It's difficult, isn't it? I suppose, I suppose, yeah, it's, it's one of those, you'd ask, I, I, I'd say ask, so Histon finished top, for example. So it's, it's probably a question that you'd ask them if, if EAPL cricket and another playoff game was riding on them, having finished top on merit in the season, obviously you beat them twice. Um, and obviously they've lost in their playoff to you, but if that cost them potentially going up to the APL after, you know, losing two games all year, I feel like obviously it, it, you're in a completely different situation. You guys finished fourth and you beat Histon twice. And like you said, you've won that. You, you feel like you've won that on merit. But I feel like as a team, if you finish top of the division and beat everyone else by one side, I feel like you'd... Was slightly hard done by, don't know. but I think it's a great concept. I also, yeah, and I, I agree that to keep teams interested, you do need something like that. But that's why I just feel like the two up, two down process almost brings in that, you know, that second thing as well, because every team in the division is then playing for something throughout the whole season, and you're not going to get that, you know, the middle teams, you know, up yeah. from you know, seventh that aren't going to do anything for half a season because, you know, there's always going to be a team that finishes rock bottom pretty much every year. And there's probably always going to be a team that's a standout winner. Um, it keeps that, it keeps the interest for the whole middle. Yeah, middle that's season. the main benefit, isn't it? To keep people playing and interested because you don't want people falling away from the season. Do you like July or August when they know they're not going to go up and they're not going to go down? Exactly that. Yeah. yeah. With regards to the logistics, let's take Camden Hunt's Premier League Division 1 and think about next season, assuming the first game of the season is on Saturday, the May the 1st, uh, you could play, well, you have 10 teams in the league, that's 18 games, you play all the way through to August 28th, you then have to have the semi-final of the playoff on the bank holiday Monday, and the final, so what, that would be the, the 30th of August, and the final, potentially the following week, in order to fit in time for the East Anglian Premier League playoff, which is usually around that sort of second week in September, um, and then the final the, the following week. The main talking point is that whether it is fair, I guess is the right term, for that team who finished finish first. For example, you guys last season finishing second in, in Whiting's two, you come up against the, the team who finished third, and uh, say you get through to the final, but then you come up against the fourth place best team and lose, you'd be pretty peeved, wouldn't you? 
Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You would be, but that's the that's the beauty of the game, that's the beauty of the tournament. You just have to accept it. What's in front of you, you know. If you don't play your best at the, uh, on the day, then the deserved um, team wins wins the tournament and, des- and deserves to go up. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. I think yeah, it's yeah. the harsh. Re- I think it's a harsh, harsh reality, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the finals are neutral, neutral grounds. There's no excuses, you know. I'll give you another example. So you said about the Saffron Walden getting rained off in their game. So obviously they dropped five first teamers. So if that ended up being, for example, Saffron Walden finished their EAPL season, you'd gone into a playoff game, and they dropped their five first teamers down and beat you in the playoff semi final. What, what do you reckon to that? Yeah, well, it wouldn't happen because they changed the rule. Because we, yeah. we wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. That's the example, you know. I know yeah. strength. Yeah, of stuff. That, that, that's if that does come into you know come to fruition. That's something that obviously the leagues need to be wary of because I'm sure that will absolutely 100 well I think something similar Foxton in the semi-final had had a new lad that appeared out of absolutely nowhere and was bowling absolute heat in the warmer because I knew he was a new lad because I ran into him in the car park and told him where to go <laughs> so there things like that could happen that's a, that's a good point I didn't think of that yeah I suppose that's that's the other end of the stick isn't it I, I suppose strengthening your sides and you know if that ends up costing you can just see where that will end up if that ends up costing a side you know that it, like for example if you put yourself in that situation and you'd won however many games and then all of a sudden they drop down a load of players that you know are playing well well below their level it's just I think Bluntisham have had something similar before as well haven't they Slacky? <sighs> I can't mention it again I mentioned it too many times last season I believe <laughs> I'll get in trouble with your skipper Right, I think we should wrap up the debate there anyway. Um, it pretty much, it could rumble on well into the night. Um, but a great question, Nick. And uh, I guess it centres around the similar question to Jack asked in the season, around structures, around um, the formats, and then how we get the most out of the season and give people the choices of, of the cricket they want to play. Jack, Nick, thank you very much for your time. Congrats once again on the win. Well done. And uh, I'm sure we'll speak again before next season comes back around. Cheers, Ollie. Thank you for having us, Ollie. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers, Callum. Cheers, mate. So that's it. That's all we have time for this week on From the Pavilion. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you've missed any of tonight's show, you can catch up with the podcast on the Cambridge 105 Radio website or on our social media platforms at FTP Cricket 105. You can find all of our previous episodes on there too. Thank you very much to my co-host Callum Guest for coming on and also the St. Ives Town and Warboys champions Jack Haycock and Nick Cumpercal too. Up next on Cambridge 105 Radio is Tim Willett with the new music generator. And just to mark your card sports-wise over the next few days, the Cambridgeshire Football Show returns Saturday at 1pm in its new time slot as it previews your weekend of football. And then from the terraces Sunday at 1pm, again another new time slot, wraps up your weekend of football action. All that's left to say until you hear from us next week, same place, same time here on From the Pavilion. Make sure you stay safe and well. Bye-bye. Breathe.